Welcome to Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives, a podcast by and about the spirituality of the richly diverse Milwaukee Christians who are all connected to little, bold Redeemer Church in the heart of the city on Wisconsin Avenue. I'm Lisa bates Froyland, pastor of Redeemer, and since 2011, I've been on a journey with the incredible people you'll meet on this podcast each week. I always say there are no dull people at Redeemer, and thanks be to God for that. Even during this pandemic, our Redeemer lives, and we are living our Redeemer lives. Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives is sponsored by Jeff One Row Designs. For more than 15 years, the creative team at Jeff One Row Designs has been handcrafting liturgical textiles. Their processional banners and seasonal banners grace sanctuaries across the country. Their frontals and pyramids adorn altars and lecterns in churches of all sizes. Clergy love their pastor stoles, I have three myself, deacon stoles, and other vestments too. They are proud to include Episcopal, Presbyterian, Methodist, ELCA Lutheran, United Church of Christ, Disciples of Christ, Unitarian, and Roman Catholic faithful among their clients. Interfaith and non-denominational clergy love the inclusivity of their designs. So whether you are shopping for the smallest accessory or reevaluating your entire collection of vestments and pyramids, Jeff One Row Designs would be honored to work with you to create something perfect for you. Jeff One Row Designs, W U N R O W, making ordinary time extraordinary since 2005. When you order, be sure to enter the coupon code REDEEMERLIVES15. So when you serve as a pastor of a church that worshipped an average of 30 people when you started ministry back in 2011, when conversations over closure were very relevant, you maybe can forgive me for watching the numbers, the numbers attending, the butts in a pew for all the subsequent years of redevelopment of this congregation. And there's one little fact that I love about Redeemer's story over the last decade. Here it is. Our highest attendance for a worship service was not Christmas, was not Easter. Our biggest services were days when the children of a certain extended family were baptized, the Tespi family. Brother and sister, now in their 30s, and each with their own spouses and children, are part of a bountiful network of people who show up for baptisms. And on those Sundays, the congregation never looked so good. Uh, So beautiful, dressed in colorful garb of their homeland. They packed the pews. And, And if you add to that sight the smells that were emanating from the kitchen down below, a feast for everyone with the authentic dishes and the homemade honey mead, oh, fantastic occasions and some of my favorite Redeemer memories. We worship a God of abundance at Redeemer, and the Tesfai family baptisms made that abundantly clear. I've asked Solomon Tesfai, the father of twin daughters, baptized here, to come by and share his perspective on a very full life. Solomon serves as treasurer of Redeemer, and so has his finger on the pulse of this scrappy congregation's financial picture, and has for several years. We have a huge challenge Uh, before us um, to renovate and restore our physical structure here so that it can face up to the rigors of ministry in the decades to come. In my mind, Solomon approaches all of life 
faith and family and finances from a place of realistic optimism, abundance and bounty where others might lean into scarcity, lack, impossibility. Since so many good things emanate from baptism, I asked him to join me for this podcast, which we're titling Bountifully Baptized. Solomon, thank you for making your way over here. Hi, Pastor. Thanks for having me here. After a long day of work, I'm so glad that you could come by for the podcast. And I'm going to start, as I do with every guest, and this question. How is it with your soul? My soul is well. Thank you for asking. It's been... um, a challenging year, obviously for uh, for everyone, um, for all of the uh, the obvious reasons. Um, you know, first and foremost, I've been blessed to have my health, and the health of my family has been intact, and we don't take that for granted. Um, uh, professionally, I've been very fortunate in that regard, where uh, my company has actually been able to stay strong through the the pandemic, and so that's worked out really well for for me and us and. Uh, yeah, I think in that regard, um, I've been pretty good. I, it, obviously, the one um, glaring effect in a negative way has been the lack of interaction with people, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, not being able to worship together, to gather together, to fellowship together has been a challenge. And um, it, it really takes a lot of strength to um, fight that urge and to do what's right for now. Um, but the times we are able to gather, it is um, very much appreciated. And if you don't mind, how's your ongoing conversation with God these days? It's it's really good. Uh, I think my conversations with God are always are always great for me. I, I walk away with something to do, <laughs> something oh, to go action, which, which I always appreciate. Um, you know, you, you let off by talking about, and I appreciate it, the comment about uh, realistic optimism, and I, I think that's fair. I I guess the simple word is I just I strongly driven by belief, right? So um, obviously I have great faith and belief in my God that he always provides, um, never too much or too little, but just always the right amount for any situation. Um, I certainly believe in myself and the abilities he's given me. Um, I believe in the people he surrounded me with. So, so every conversation with him, whether we're talking about, you know, the, um, the challenges in our country with respect to racial challenges, cultural challenges, you know, the challenges at work, family or church, it's, it's always about, Here's what's in front of us. What do you want me to go do? What do I need to go do? And it's it's that sort of prayer and discussion that that helps me feel really encouraged that I got to go act. If we can go to uh, what I led with those baptism days, mm-hmm. give us the backstory to those packed, vibrant baptisms that mm-hmm. I described. Yeah. So um, so you may or may not know this. But um, I was actually born in, um, a, at the time, it was a northern province of Ethiopia. Today, the country's called Eritrea. But the people, uh, whether Ethiopian or Eritrean, um, ethnically, they're called Habesha people. And uh, we've got a small but closely knit community here in Milwaukee. Um, but even going back to Ethiopia and Eritrea, um, the, the baptism of Jesus in the River of Jordan, that, that is termed, the event is called Temket. And Temket is... Uh, especially in the Ethiopian Orthodox um, religion, is deemed extremely critical um, in our spiritual journey. And so it's regarded in the same light as Easter and Christmas. It really is. And it's a three-day event where people gather in the streets, gather together, and they, they praise and worship the, the baptism of our Savior. And it's the whole notion and the belief that 
um, you have now entered this kingdom and this family of Christianity through the baptism, right? And so we take that and, you know, we internalize that with our children. And so that's where um, when we have baptisms here in the community in Milwaukee, the entire community comes out and they, they dress in their attire um, and the food. It, the food is, first of all, shared. Like there's no paid vendor. Every family says, we're going to make this, we're going to bring it. And you're talking about for you know, 150 to 250 people. Yeah. Um, as well as the, the homemade wines that they make. All of that is made by families who've said, we want to be a part of this event. And in many instances, it lasts an entire day. It'll go from the service in the morning up until 8, 9 p.m. But it's just a, it's a beautiful event. It's one of those things where, um, you know, folks may miss birthdays. They may even miss a graduation, but they do not miss baptisms. It is truly the welcoming of a child into this, this Christian family. As it should be. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, that is wonderful. And it makes me think, you know, there is a Sunday set aside in our liturgical calendar, the baptism of our Lord, mm-hmm. and I've never made that much of it. I mean, I, I bring out the story yeah. for the lectionary, but let's really celebrate uh, it next year. It is. I, I think January 19th, 20th yes. is, yeah. Yeah. I think that's usually one, one of day, those weeks. Two or three day event. In January. Yeah. Hmm. I can hardly wait. Uh, so... You said Ethiopian Orthodox yes. is the faith tradition of your people mm-hmm. and your birth. Mm-hmm. So how is it that you found your way yeah. into Lutheran congregations? Yeah, great question. So so I was born, as I mentioned, in northern Ethiopia, but I was born into a civil war. Um, mm-hmm. It was really, really challenging. At the time, the, the king of Ethiopia had fled, and so a dictatorship had taken over, uh, military regime, and... Uh, Everyone at the time was was just looking to find a visa to escape. So, give us the year approximately. Uh, absolutely. So this would have been. So I was born in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would have been. Really, the war lasted from 80 to 91. Mm-hmm. Um, from about 1982 to 1984, my family and I. So this would be my father, my mother, and my sister and I, the four of us at the time. We were actually in a refugee camp um, on the border of Sudan and Ethiopia. So we stayed there for two years. And really, like every family in that camp, just waiting for a visa, a sponsorship, an opportunity to flee. And, you know, as fate would have it, as God would have it, um, we were sponsored by this small Lutheran church called Hepatha Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, we made our way in 1984, January 24th, 1984, is when we came to Milwaukee. And uh, so, yeah, so Hepatha became our church home and the sponsoring uh, church for us. Uh, we probably stayed at Hepatha as members of the congregation for about a year, maybe two years. And then I remember being about six, maybe seven years old. And we moved in Milwaukee, but we moved literally next door to Reformation Lutheran mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. And that became uh, really my church home throughout my, uh, the majority of my life. So um, at the time, Pastor Chuck and Pastor Sue Reilly and Pastor McRoshke uh, led our congregation. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, that that church, that community meant a lot to me. Um, Pastor Mick taught me so many life lessons. I, I, you know, to this day, I think about him when I think about, you know, giving up or taking the easy way out in something, whether it be work or with the kids or whatever. I mean, he's just, he, he was very, compe- he is a very compelling figure. And especially yes. being young and just watching how he, how he worked and the passion he had and everything was so faith centric. Um, it just, it was very motivating. Um, 
I mean, I've known his son, Micah Roshke, who's one of my best friends since I was seven years old. So we, we go back 33 years. So it's And I love thinking about that, the two of you as seven-year-olds, because now you're, you're talking about the president and the treasurer of this yeah. congregation who serve together. And of course, um, Pastor McRoshke is a huge mentor of mine. I wouldn't be doing this ministry without his example and working side by side with him in the first few years here at Redeemer. So we all owe him a great Absolutely. debt of gratitude and and so much love too. So that takes you to Reformation. Yes. And then... So it takes me to Reformation. Um, then I went to college, uh, spent uh, went to Minnesota, University of Minnesota Duluth for my undergrad, then moved to the Twin Cities to work and go to graduate school. So I, was, I left Wisconsin for about 12 years. And then when I came back in 2010, my wife had actually... Uh, she's from Minnesota, but she came here two years prior to me in 2008 to start her residency at Children's Hospital. And when I came back in 2010, obviously, you know, reconnected in a big way with Micah. And he had mentioned he'd been attending this small little church called Redeemer Lutheran and said, you should check it out. And I started coming here and uh, really became, uh, I'd say, an active and, and proud member of the congregation in 2011. So about a year after I moved back here. So you mentioned you met your wife, Kristen, in Minnesota. Hmm? And um, those early years then, Pastor Mick was still here. He was connecting with you because he knew you. Um, but after worship one time, this small woman came up to me in my office, and she had a slip of paper with her, and she said, will you please pray for my daughter and her husband? She's expecting hmm. twins, and it looks like it's going to be complicated. So I had this little note with all your names on it, and I taped it next to my desk, and I didn't really know who you were, but I just prayed those names. And then there was a woman I was visiting in in a nursing home named Marion, and she said, I need something to do. I need to feel some purpose here. Who can I be praying for? And so I told her about your family, and she prayed for you. And then she, after the twins were born, she asked after them every visit. And at their first birthday, I was able to bring the picture and say, here are the babies that you've been praying for. Isn't that amazing? And she felt so glad to have had the honor of praying for your family all of that time. Tell me more about why your mother-in-law gave me that card. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, I, I am definitely a proud father of twin girls. Um, we knew early on... Um, that one of our daughters, Naomi, was going to be born with quite a few challenges. So we could see um, early on in the sonograms and and whatnot that um, she was going to be born with a form of spina bifida. She was going to be born with likely club feet, um, as well as something called bladder extrophy. So her bladder, when she was actually delivered, was outside of her body. Mm. Um, And about 30 hours after birth, and mind you, they're both premature, but 30 hours after birth, she had a procedure to put the bladder back in and make sure all the other organs were, were appropriate and whatnot. Um, so it was um, quite the, uh, the scary and challenging process. And it's, you know, it was one of those things where Chris and I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of praying um, to know early on that, hey, you're going to have one kid that's going to be fit as a fiddle, right? And another kid that's going to have quite a few challenges that are going to be life lasting. Um, and, and, and we had decisions to make. And, and we, we, we chose 
what I know to be the right decision, which is to to love these kids, to to have both these girls, and to uh, to do everything we can to support them and to learn from them. And so, uh, so that's that's been our journey with her. She's doing great right now. She's had quite a few procedures. Uh, the good news is that um, she's doing pretty well health wise. Um, she does walk assisted. She has a, a crutch or a walker, as she calls them, her magic sticks mm-hmm. that she uses to walk around. But um, she's, quickly, she is so she's, quick. She is. She's always in a hurry with everything. Yeah. Her pace is incredible. <laughs> she just wants to go. Her spirit is that way. Yeah, she's got strong drive. She really does. Um, but she's doing well. And uh, her big sister is a great protector. In that, we talked about in the words bounty comes up, abundance, uh, optimism. Mm-hmm. Where have you found abundance and bounty through the challenges of your daughter's early years? Yeah. Um, boy, so many ways. I think... You know, we talk about, well, I've talked about belief being important to me, right? And it's, you, you got to live it. You can't just say it. And with Naomi, um, there, are, there are things she does and accomplishes that fill me up with a great sense of belief and bounty. And I'd say probably the, the strongest thing is, you know, I watch her accomplish these things and I watch her look at me sometimes and it's almost, she doesn't have to say it, but it's almost like, you know, hey, pal, if I can do this, you got no excuses, <laughs> right? And I think it, it it's very just encouraging and motivating. And I think that's a, a big reason why God's put in our life is to um, to motivate us, to help us appreciate the the things that we do have that we take for granted sometimes, and then to, to not give up with whatever the challenge is in front of us, because she sure as heck isn't. Mm-hmm. Salman, your day job is corporate finance. And your main way of service, among others, but your main way of service to this community of faith is church finance. And it's over here, it's a balancing act between income that depends largely on generosity and expenses that we keep as lean as possible. What have you learned as treasurer of this congregation and where do you see the potential for bounty? Yeah, it's a great question. You'd be surprised, but there's quite a bit of overlap and similarities between the two. Um, and in particular, I, I think the fact that whether it, you're in corporate America or you're, you're supporting being part of a great church, um, people give and want to be a part of something where they feel connected to it, right? Whether it's a product, whether it's the brand, whether it's the vision of the church and the, the purpose of the church. And I think... Um, as you've done, Pastor, to be honest, and, and we've tried to as a council and the entire congregation to be ambassadors of Redeemer, um, to, to really speak about what is important to us, the diversity that we drive for, the outreach and the fellowship. I think that attracts people, that engages people. They want to be a part of it. And I think that's the optimism that I have is that we continue to do what we're doing. Um, we're building credibility with people. And, and again, they want to be a part of it and they want to put their resources behind it. Here's my favorite final question that I ask everyone. Will you share a favorite Redeemer memory? Favorite Redeemer memory? Quite a few. Well, because the theme is baptism, let's talk about that. Um, So I don't know if you remember, Pastor. You probably do. I know you do because you don't forget. Um, But when we had the baptism for the girls, um, we had used the basement um, for the food and the gathering. And so we moved Noon Run upstairs. Yes. And there was a gentleman who came in a bit late. And there was no more food left at noon run. And so you'd come down and said, hey, would you mind if he gets a plate and, and 
with all the food you have, of course. I mean, one, it's the right thing to do, and it's my pastor asking, so of course you're going to do it. Um, and just, you know, the gentleman didn't just get a plate and walk away. He sat with us. We talked yeah. with him, and we had we fellowshiped together. And I just, it, it's, I think that example just says a lot about this church because, you know, you often talk, you know, during service, you know, the table is set, all are welcome. And that, living it, right? You got to live these things. And I think to have that opportunity to share um, just meant a lot. Always stuck with me. Awesome. I, I remember that too. I thought about that today as I was preparing this, that moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's being Jesus uh, because that's exactly what Jesus showed us again and again in the Gospels. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything, Solomon. I wanted to take a moment to talk about baptism as we close out the the podcast tonight and um, really to squinch it way down uh, in a tiny little nugget. I think the insight is that we are not so much baptized from as baptized for. And here's what I mean by this. There was a time, especially when infant mortality rates were really high, when baptism, I'm talking like 15th, 16th, 17th century, all the way up till really 19th century, um, even later, was thought to be some kind of protection from. If the baby died early, um, that it would go to heaven. So it was a baptism that was like an inoculation in a way. And I think that baptism is so much more than an inoculation. It's really an initiation. As you said, Solomon, it's an initiation in a community of faith into a world that needs people who are motivated uh, to the, do the good for the common good. So it's a baptism as preparation for being part of a great, wonderful um, community of faith that is realistically optimistic about the difference that we can make in the world, no matter what and no matter what happens. This has been just a wonderful time to uh, share with Solomon and to remember uh, those glorious days of baptism that happened here. If you liked what you heard today, first of all, that's great. If you liked it so much that you'd like to support us with a financial gift, that Solomon will write down in a ledger. <laughs> Go to our website, RedeemerMilwaukee.org. There you'll see links to our YouTube services, information on how we're trying to serve our neighbors during the hardships of this pandemic, and yes, the donate button. Thanks in advance for the help. Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives is a podcast of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Lisa bates Froyland, your host. Aaron Musser is our editor, sound designer, and engineer. Meredith Seip wrote and performed our theme. Join us again next week. Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives is sponsored in part by Outreach for Hope, a nonprofit organization that supports life-giving ministries who serve low-income communities in the Greater Milwaukee Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Outreach for Hope grants have supported Redeemer Ministries for over 10 years. Until next time, peace be with you, peace be within you, and may peace be among us all. Goodbye. Goodbye.